It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm really looking forward to talking with my guest today. Join me as Ralph Lentz, Chief Revenue Officer of Recurly, a leading subscription billing and management platform, and, and quite a bit more as we'll talk about. So, Ralph, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, great to be here. Great to join you. So, take a second, introduce yourself, maybe tell us how you got your start in sales. Sure, sure. So uh, I've been in sales ever since I got out of college. I, I originally started off as a in, a in a marketing job for for a couple months. Realized that wasn't for me. I uh, I grew up in a, in a sales household. My dad was a sales guy his whole career. And what did he said, what did he sell? Uh, he was actually in tech before it was really tech. So uh, he he was kind of in, in he worked for Unisys and and Burroughs and Sperry uh, Univac back in the days. So wow. Uh, Selling tech before it was real, you know, before it was before tech was a thing it is today. It's interesting. I was just talking to someone two weeks ago. I was interviewing for the show, and they were saying that in their hiring process for sales candidates, that they found that the number one indicator of predictor of sales success is coming from a sales household. I had not heard of that, but it, it, maybe it is in your DNA, and I think it kind of is on my on, 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 at least for me. And it was interesting when I when I. First got into sales, I totally resisted it. I really didn't want to do it because you don't necessarily want to do what your dad did. But I gave it a shot, and I, it felt instantly right. So I kind of knew I knew it was it was the right thing for me. So so that's how I got into it. And actually, my first job was was in, as an inside sales rep. And this is before inside sales was the thing it is today. Mm -hmm. And what and what were you selling at that point? This was selling uh, kind of a it was a like a precursor to to Inside View or Hoover. So it was a database of of company names. Mm -hmm. Um, a company called Information Access was part of Ziff Davis. Uh, oh yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, and um, and uh, so it was selling, but it was doing it over the phone, which was at the time no one did it. Of course, I think back then it was called more telesales or telemarketing. Tele telemarketing, right? Which, which we all cringed at. But uh, you know, I could see back then this was a much more efficient way to sell. Now, mind you, that being said, we also had a field sales organization. I ended up progressing and ended up being a field sales rep for them. But but that's I started off as inside, and, and it was a great, great training ground for me. Now, did you say you regressed to become a field sales or uh, progressed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could take it as either way, right? Okay. Um, well, let's let's jump in and talk about subscription management because you know part of the reason I'm excited to talk about this is this is more and more of the way products are being priced these days and sold as, as subscription-based products. And it's not just software, as we're accustomed to thinking about, but a lot of other products coming. We're going to talk about that. And also, I think it's just, it is fundamentally transforming how, how we sell, much of how we sell. So, I guess, let's first talk about a little bit what Recurly does. And then move from there, we'll talk about why we see more products sort of adopting the subscription-based model. Sure, sure. So uh, Recurly is a, a, a SaaS-based platform that helps um, companies with uh, subscription management. So companies that, that have a subscription model or are looking to get into a subscription model, we pr help provide and power their billing. Okay. So they don't need – and do they still need uh, you know, shopping cart and so on or does it take the place of that or – 
No, no, yeah, they would still need a shopping cart. This is just handling the billing as it pertains then also to, to things like a payment gateway. Right. So they'll sit on top of, uh, there's companies like Stripe or Braintree, right. which, are, which are payment processors. Right. And then we sit on them and, and be able to power their billing. So this is, you know, when, when you, and, and it's interesting. And, and for those of you that either, even, even in the on-premise, like on-premise software hardware world where you talk about maintenance contracts, so dealing with anything where you have any sort of recurring um, and recurring payment, it's a really tough problem to solve. And most people think, oh, I can build that myself. And they go down the road, they start building it, and they go, oh, this is harder because, you know, what if a customer wants to upgrade or downgrade? What if they want to add new products and then they want to co-term things? Um, what if they want to add discounts in there? That that level of complexity is something that that normal billing systems like a QuickBooks or NetSuite or Oracle, they're not going to handle those natively out of the box. And so if this is a very specific thing that we do, and we do it better than anybody else. And, it, and it's a really tough problem, tough problem to solve. We made it, we made it really easy to do. Got it. And then, then you uh, provide the interfaces to all those other applications. You talk about the ERP systems and so on. Exactly. Okay. So let's let's we're going to come back and talk a little bit more of that. But in the meantime, let's talk about subscription-based products. I mean, most of us see this with software. The software as a service. The sort of in the tech world, sort of driving. Going from you know an on-premise license to uh, and from seat-based to more subscription-based, but what else is happening that you're seeing out there than other industries that are really adopting this and embracing the subscription model? Right, right. So a lot of the uh, OTT companies, so over-the-top type companies uh, that are doing streaming, so any sort of streaming media, are going to be um, are going to be large subscription companies. So if you think of of Sling, which is a division of, of Dish Network, so Dish Network is a, of course, we all know them, and and that the Dish the Dish business is not necessarily their their strongest business, but their Sling they acquired Sling, and Sling is. Right. Uh, is is growing incredibly just to take it taken off incredibly and so we power the billing for for them so it's a recurring billing you know it could be a monthly annual subscription that they have uh like and, and in that same space like cbs interactive is a customer of ours so if you think about cbs all access or espn showtime all those all those different brands allow you to to subscribe on a on a monthly annual basis um, but then you got you get companies like uh, that are that are box of the month clubs those have just taken off uh, just incredibly and you know, there's companies like Loot Crate, which which is sending a lot of tech uh, tech products uh, to to someone every every month, or BarkBox, which is for dogs, and Rocksbox, which is jewelry. Uh, we power those are all uh, sold on a subscription basis. Um, there's companies like uh, Twitch, which are we you know, which is uh, watching people play video, paying to watch people play video games. Which, right. Which, I, I, which I, I, find, I, I find very interesting, by the way. I, I, don't, I personally don't do it, but but, uh, but we there are they have thousands and thousands of customers that, that oh, do yeah. that. Oh yeah. And Hundreds of thousands, them, yeah, um, on a monthly on a monthly uh, basis. So, so it, it's touching almost every part of our economy, and it and it's interesting that every day we get new companies, big companies that are wanting to that that aren't in the subscription business, but they say, hey, look, we want to get in there, and you know, how do we start? And then that's and that's where that's where we jump in. Yeah. So I'm giving an example or ideas of some sort of traditional big companies that make conventional products that are sort of making that migration. Yeah, yeah. A good example uh, is is uh, restoration hardware. So, restoration hardware, and not, not, they're not a customer of ours of just yet. We're working on that. That uh, restoration hardware, you know, is a traditional um, uh, retail company, and they they said, you know what, that Costco model is not a bad one, where you know people pay an annual fee uh, to 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 join Costco, and then right. and because of that, you get access to Costco and 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 good deals. So, restoration hardware. 
about three, I want to say maybe six months ago at this point, introduced the notion of having of paying an annual fee of paying a pay a subscription fee to join a special club with Restoration Hardware, and it gets you access to to better because um, they don't do sales anymore. So the only way you get a sale uh, a sale is if you join this quote unquote club on an annual basis. Hmm. Interesting. So I, wasn't ever, I wasn't necessarily thinking of them as one. Uh, Spirit Airlines, for example, is getting is is getting into subscription as, as well. So if you join their club, you get access to better pricing. Um, but again, they, it's it's on a recurring basis that you join this 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 club, if you will. And any on a B two B basis, other than software, you know, sort of more conventional, traditional businesses, you see jumping into it. Trying to give, uh, none that come to mind. Yeah, none that none that come to mind. But again, just SaaS is just is just so prevalent. So uh, HubSpot is a is a is probably one of our bigger B two B customers, for example. Yeah, no, HubSpot. HubSpot. Yeah, I've been a customer for HubSpot. So uh, as, as are we. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so to get into that business, somebody essentially needs to have a, a service component to their their business, and but you usually said the example before is you got companies that have their service service marketing that really need an application like uh, Recurly to help them manage. Because one thing you talk about in in your literature is that you really recover lost revenue, and uh, I found that very interesting. If you may tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, so so with with um, it's kind of a little bit of a special sauce that that Recurly has. So so for example, I think we've all seen situations. You know, we you know we have a gym membership, and and our um, you know our credit card uh, you know it had exp- the the date expired, and and they had to, and of course you need to change it. Well, the way that we have there's there's certain technology that we have access to, and that we've developed, uh, like we call account updater. As well as some some retry logic that we have that allows um, us to kind of behind the scenes to help merchants so that they can um, uh, kind of guess if you will or or and, and just sort of because we have access to we've worked with thousands of customers and, and millions of, of different credit cards and different banks that we understand where how they may change those expiration dates so we kind of automatically retried a lot of those cards for them doing different different um, using different algorithms and as such we'll recover anywhere. Between um, usually between five and ten percent, it could be upwards of fifteen percent of revenue that, that the company would literally not have gotten if it weren't for for our retry logic. And these are cards that that seemingly that you have on file that seemingly are maybe not even on file, but that seemingly have perfectly valid data on them. Exactly, exactly. And so now, you know, if it's a hard re- decline because you know you haven't paid your bills, or that's one thing, right? But, but, but yeah, but th- but this is for for good cards where, where they normally should have gotten through gone through. But just because of a date or or some other um, some other soft reason that that we will retry it and get it get it approved for the merchant and they don't even know that it's happening and but we do this behind the scenes. Yeah, and you say that there are over two thousand ways a credit card transaction can fail. Exactly, <laughs> that's pretty exactly. daunting it's, it's, when you when you take when you take credit cards online. That's that is a pretty daunting proposition. And so we're we're kind of this is one of our areas of specialty, but in terms of the recurring billing world, so. Very interesting. And then, how about managing churn within your subscriber base besides the credit card failure? So this is this is a case of understanding where you you know what plans are working well and which which are not. So this is through 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 the analytics we have. So it's um, it's really comparing which uh, you know. So let's say you're going to go out with two different subscription plans. You're going to want to know which which plans are working well, which ones aren't, and then having the data to make the better the better um, the better choice. Um, and then also understanding when you when you do see people. That are churning, you you can you can um, determine you, you look at the reasons that they're churning, and that's again through the through the analytics we have. 
that allows people to make better um, better decisions on on new plans and then and then changes to plans that they're going to be making. Right now, when you look at how you sell your own product, I presume you use a SaaS model, right? Absolutely, yep. <laughs> so, what are the biggest challenges for you in scaling your sales team? Oh, so we are uh, similar to the way uh, I, I like to look at the way we're we're approaching the market, similar to the way Salesforce started. So, you know, when you think back on Salesforce, which was what 17, 18 years mm-hmm, ago, mm-hmm. They, they were an SMB type of model that was that that eventually kind of grew up went up market, and and I we're very much the same way. And if you remember back in the day. Um, you, you know, the uh, Salesforce was going up against Siebel and Oracle as the, the big on-premise CRM solutions. And, and you think back to the year 2000, and, and was there any company bigger than Siebel at that time, or one, one of the bigger companies than Siebel? And you never thought, oh, this little company that Salesforce is ever going to overtake that, and look what, look what happened to, you know, today. Um, I kind of look at us as the same way. So we, we started off as a, as a solution for, you know, very small companies, you know, and that's, you know, we start, you know, with, with mom and pop shops of developers that just needed to, to add recurring bunk billing functionality. And as such, we've landed some really good names uh, along the way. So like I mentioned, Sling, HubSpot, CBS, uh, Twitch, uh, Zillow, BarkBox, great names that are, that are customers of ours that have kind of grown up with us. Um, and, and so we're at the point where we have the functionality to, to, to deal with enterprise, you know, to sell to enterprises and, and, and make them happy. And so now that's my mission is, you know, we're, we've, we've been great for kind of SMB and small, small, um, small enterprise. Now we're going mid, mid and large enterprise. And so now it's just uh, getting people, I would say, to see us as that kind of solution um, and that we're capable of handling that type of, of volume. So, so we're just, we're, we're growing up in a sense. So what's that mean in terms of the composition of your sales team? So you still have your, your BDR, SDR teams. Now, do you have a sort of bifurcated account exec team, one's for a large enterprise, one for SMB? Or how are you working that? Yeah, so, so uh, before I, when the company first started, uh, because it was, it was literally online sales, so there were no salespeople at all. Uh, as they kind of grew up, we, they, as we grew up to kind of the first level, we realized, you know what, as we get bigger, the, some people expect to talk to salespeople. But it was more of a sales, I would call sales assist mode, where it was kind of helping them through the buying process, not actually actually you know, proactively selling. Right. Um, to the point now, we have a full, you know, an SDR team that's segmented from uh, inbound, and then uh, the outbound uh, SDRs are separated into kind of mid, you know, a, a more SMB, and then I have dedicated enterprise SDRs, mm-hmm. and we, we've done the same thing with the sales team. So I have kind of three different levels of small, small, medium, large in terms of of our sales team. So so our our first, we call our emerging business, is is very high volume, high velocity inside sales. Uh, our medium, our kind of mid tier, if you will, is handling decent sized deals from anywhere from 10k to 100k, mm-hmm. and, and then enterprises above that. And so, enterprise for us is any any deal above uh, any above 100k. Got it. And you know, in terms of hiring your SDRs, what are you seeing as is sort of the key for you? Because one of the things that been fairly consistent with people that we've interviewed over the year here is that. Uh, that's that's a big challenge to find the right people that can come in, fit in, stick, uh, do handle the level of pressure and activity that's expected. Right. Um, so one of the things that, that we're looking for is someone that that uh, that either you know again I'm looking for not necessarily right out of college, so I'm looking for someone with some experience and shown some sort of um, interest in being in sales and some 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 success in sales. Um, and then with the, with a desire to have a, 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 a training ground and, and then a, a career path within within 
recurly. So the idea is that we bring them in, you know, train them up in the SDR organization, then bring them, convert, then convert them and promote them over into the into the sales organization. Um, but that being said, so the, the type of person I'm looking for is I, I generally think of as more of a a bit of a complex thinker, but someone also that is very organized, um, someone that's that has great energy and that also that's been I like I like people that have played team sports within college because I, I like that competitive mm-hmm. spirit, competitive drive. So kind of putting all that together, um, a lot of our, our, our hires, both in the sales role, the AE role, as well as SDR, have come from uh, referrals. And, and so we almost don't even have to go out very often for you know, beyond that because our, our referral base has been absolutely phenomenal within this company, which is, which is awesome. So what do you use as a handoff point between your SDR team and your account execs? When you say handoff, what, what, what I mean, what, are they trying to sell a demo, a meeting, or a conversation? Oh, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's it's a demo. So we're trying to get them just to to want to learn more and have a and have a demo of the product because for us uh, a demo is pretty powerful. And so if we can get them uh, in you know with um, uh, in front of a sales rep to to do that demo and you know, but at the same time we also make sure they have discovery and they they fit basic criteria. Of course, they have to be a subscription business. Um, and uh, you know, and they're they're willing to take that demo. That's that's the the criteria. We're not you know, we don't have. Um, we started off when I first started joining here as pretty strict criteria, and that wasn't really helpful for us. We found that we were, we're actually probably missing some good opportunities, so we we cut back on the criteria, opened up the open up the the spigot, if you will, to to have a little more deals flow through the pipeline. So, what level of qualification do you expect your SDRs to get to then with with the new prospects? So with uh, with. Inbound, we're going to be a little higher in the sense that we want to make sure that someone has a subscription business, willing to take a demo, but also um, is kind of in the market or is, is actively looking for something. Mm-hmm. And then if it's if it's an outbound, we're not going to be quite so stringent because you know outbound outbound leads are hard to get in the first place. So we uh, we we they're more just are you willing to have a conversation? Are you willing to see a demo of the product? And by the way, do you have a subscription business? Okay. So okay. further qualification beyond that goes to the account execs. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. We're, we're not going. I don't want to keep it too stringent because right now we're also um, since I, I've been with the company six months at this point, and we're still trying to build more and more pipeline. And so I'm, I'm keeping the uh, criteria probably a little on the easier side, and then build it up, and then make probably we'll probably um, uh, turn down the spec a little bit um, when, as as we get further into you know our understanding our qualification. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that seems to be the case with a lot of sales companies is that maybe just. Too much in their pipeline. I mean, because the close rates, at least the average industry close rates, seem to be relatively low compared to sort of conventional B two B field sales. So you don't see that as a problem with getting too much into your pipeline. No, you know, we've actually had. And I think this goes to again to have a, a, a really nice product that's very demoable, and and also we have a you know free trial that anyone can can sign up for as well. Um, our close rates have been in the thirty percent range, so wow. we've actually been pretty, higher than average. Yeah, it's been. That's why I say I'm not going to turn it off just yet because we've been pretty good. But I think that's again a testimony to to we we have um, a good demo, and then we have a good reputation for the companies we've been trying to go after. Um, I you know was, I was at the um, at the Saster event back in in February here in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know and that's geared towards a lot of our. Our, our types of customers and I, I just walking around the event people would see my badge and I'd say oh you're with Recurly he goes I'm a customer I love you guys I, I've never been with a company especially you know tech companies a lot of times people you know oh, I hate you guys I you know, hate, hate that software <laughs> I've, never, I've never been with a company where people go oh I love you I love you guys I love your company I love your support and I, 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 I was so I walked out there going being very proud and, and I think that reputation is, is, helps, helps my sales team as well 
Okay, so is with your ideal client profile, is there a certain transaction volume that makes it more worthwhile? We do both B2B and B2C. B2B tends to be uh, lower transaction amounts, um, so it's not really tied to transaction amounts, but we do handle, you know, especially compared to our competition, uh, we have cut, there's a company called JibJab. I don't know if you know JibJab at all. I've, I've heard the name. They, they do. If you, if you go online and, like, you want to put yourself in, a, like, a little animated GIF. You know, right, you know, right, 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 right. That, that's what they do. So it's a very, I mean, very, very high volume transactions, right. and, and we're one of the only companies that could handle a transaction volume like that. Got it. So, if you had to just serve, sort of last point about Recurly is paint out a ideal client profile. What it would look like? Again, anybody doing subscription billing that that is looking for quick time to value. So we're again thinking of us versus uh, of uh, you know us, us as the Salesforce. You know, Salesforce you get up and running very quickly. Generally, if it's a, for most for most companies, as opposed to a Siebel or or Oracle type of solution. Um, we're the, we're also quick, you know, if they want to get quick time to value and they want to get up to running and up and sp- up to speed quickly and not spend a year long uh, in implementation, that's going to be a good fit for us. <laughs> and then any and if you have multi, and, you know, one or even multiple types of different subscription models, whether it's you're selling by by seat, by tier, you know, by usage, whatever 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 sort of way you you bill, we're going to be able to handle that. So one plan can handle all the different billing models. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well, good. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk some more with my guest, Ralph Lentz, right after this. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. Talking to my guest today, Ralph Lentz, Chief Revenue Officer of Recurly. So now I'm moving to the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario I pose that in the scenario, you, Ralph, you're you're the star of the show. You've just been hired as a new sales VP at a company whose sales have stalled out. And hope, I don't think that was the case with Recurly. But in this nope. case, a company whose sales have stalled out the board, the CEO, really want things to get unstuck and back on track in a hurry. So, if you thought about your first week on the job, what what two things could you do that would start having the biggest impact in terms of start turning things around? Wow, that's a good question. So, uh, I'd first make sure we have. Do we understand our, our true value proposition? Is this something that people is there is this something really people want to buy, or is this something that's just a, a nice to have? Do we understand? The, the, the true value that, that we're trying to we're trying to get across that people are going to buy, um, so I, I, I look at the product in the market, making sure this is a, the, uh, an available or a product that that fits a need in the marketplace, mm-hmm. and then and then so looking externally and then looking internally as well and saying all right what is this sales t- you know what does the sales team look like right now what, why are they not selling and finding out the reasons you know what's what's holding them back from crossing the finish line so it's I think you need to look both internally and externally okay. All right, good. So now I've got some uh, more rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers if you want, or you can elaborate if you wish. So okay. the first one is, when you, Ralph, are out selling your product at Recurly, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, let's see. I would say um, uh, selling value. Okay. 
And how's that come across? Is really understanding their business, understanding their pains, and then how, how we can help grow their, grow their business and, and um, you know, offer them uh, functionality that, that's going to, help, is going to help them bring in more subscription revenue. Okay. So I probably know the answer to this question. I'll ask anyway. Who is your sales role model? Uh, to begin, start starts with my dad. Sure. And then from a sales leader perspective, my as I said earlier, my dad was a sales guy, and so he uh, so so I learned a lot from him from the, as a sales rep. And then I had a, a so I worked at Computer Associates CA for uh, t- over ten years, and and uh, my boss for most of that time was a guy named John McCarran out of uh, out of the Philadelphia area. A great sales leader, kind of an old school sales guy, but 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 just I just from his style and from the way he led salespeople and 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 motivated people, uh, I would I would like to be half as good as as he was. So, so tell me one thing he did that that was so good that you emulate. Yeah, you know I think people, whether it's customers, whether it's prospects, or your or people on your team, people learn and 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 uh, respond to stories. Mm-hmm. And 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 he was an older you know older guy and had had a lot of stories and and a lot of powerful stories that really resonated whether it was in the sales process or trying to manage people, and and I still reference some of his stories to this day which I probably some of my, some I probably couldn't say on this on, <laughs> so I couldn't say here but but they made an impact and I I kind of relate those stories to 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 people that work for me and so I try I would like to be half as good a storyteller as he was. Is there anything you do to get better at it? Well, I think it's just practice. I think mm-hmm. it's part of it, and and I think it's also having those life experiences that you can then share with people. I think are, is is part of it. So you know, the older you get, the more stories you have. I think the more you can share with people, and and those war stories are are, are really what help people relate. And you know, and, and leading a sales team, you know, it's funny as I you know, I, and you probably can relate to this. You know, if if uh, uh, if someone has not been in sales, or, or you know, a sales rep could pick that up in in a second. And so it's 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 you know. I've, I've been a sales rep. I had a quota. I've had that quota on my back. I, they, so I can understand. I can totally empathize with a rep and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and sharing those stories with them. They, they, they go, okay, I, I can get it. You've been here before. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be one of the issues that, that pops up uh, with more frequency these days is this issue of sales managers who are you know, maybe analytical, good with following the metrics and the dashboards, but never been in sales. I would. I think it's hard to get credibility from a sales from a sales team if you've never done it. And, yeah. And there are other probably other areas, other functional areas where that's not as important. But I think with sales, you just have to understand what the pressure is like to have a have a number on your back. And if you if you're a sales leader and haven't had it, I think it's a lot tougher. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. All right. So one book every salesperson should read. Uh, right now, I get, again, it's probably an obvious one, but I think Challenger Sale is hugely important. And what did you like about the challenger sale? Uh, the, 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 just the whole notion that uh, that the the way people are are going to the way people buy nowadays is is um, uh, they, they do all their research before they come to you. So if you remember the the role of a sales rep when when probably you and I started, what part of it was to educate people. Sure, now people are getting educated themselves, which means they come with a bias, and because they come with that bias, you have to you have to. Challenge their way of thinking because especially if it's if it's if it's you know if they've been reading all the materials from one of your competitors and and they're going to have that that automatic bias built in you got to reorient their way of thinking now now you know in in some ways we've been doing challenger sale for for far longer than before that book came out but I like the way they've kind of crystallized it and and try to get people to to think in that way because I think it for any rep going forward we have to be challenger esque in the way we do things okay 
Good answer. So last question for you, uh, tough one of the day, is what music is on your playlist right now? Oh, this is something I should admit in public. Um, I, I'm actually a classic rock guy, even though I do have some pretty some pretty obscure things, but I, I'm, I'm a classic rock guy, so it would be Journey, Van Halen, Fleetwood Mac, um, yeah, anything classic rock. So what's, what's the obscure things? Uh, should I admit that I have... Um, ABBA on there too. <laughs> That's an obscure. Well, but <laughs> maybe to this generation. But. Yeah, right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, Ralph, well, thanks for joining me today. How can people find out more about Recurly? Uh, you can go to recurly.com or feel free to, to you can email me at rlentz at recurly.com, L E N T Z. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Andy, great to talk with you. Thanks and remember. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Ralph Lentz, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.